This is Reimagining Higher Education, your go-to podcast with remarkable education leaders, sharing personal stories from their experience in and around the sector, including reflection and hope for progress with your host, Dr. Noreen Golfman, former provost and vice president academic at Memorial University in St. John's, Newfoundland, and inaugural member of Studiosity's Academic Advisory Board in Canada. We collectively recognize that this podcast's hosts and guests have recorded this interview from across Turtle Island on the unceded and traditional territories of many nations in what we now know as Canada. We acknowledge past and current custodians of this land. Welcome. It's my great pleasure today to be chatting with someone uh, who I've admired very much from my perch in St. John's, Newfoundland as an, an administrator at Memorial. And that's Dr. David Barnard, who is president emeritus of the University of Manitoba. That's a title not a lot of presidents earn, I might add. Uh, and he was president before that uh, at the University of Regina. And I know, David, you've had a long career in the private sector, the public sector, um, lots of experience being an administrator, herding cats and doing all the things that it takes to uh, achieve the titles that you have. So I'm delighted that you've taken the time this afternoon to talk for uh, for as long as the conversation goes about a whole bunch of stuff, I'm sure we got lots of board stories we could uh, we could share. But um, I'm going to ask you first if there's a way that you introduce yourselves these days. Somebody says, uh, "What are you doing?" or "Who are you?" What do you say? <laughs> well, I say I'm uh, an emeritus uh, uh, president from the University of Manitoba. Um, a lot of people don't know what that means, so I <laughs> explained to them that I retired from the presidency a couple of years ago. Uh, I often also, if if I'm in the right kind of context, if I'm in a context where where uh, Indigenous people are involved, since I have an Indigenous name, I also introduce myself that way. My spirit name is Standing White Bear, and I'm privileged to have that that name as a result of uh, interactions in, with uh, friends and colleagues in the Indigenous community. Lovely. So we asked you um, to choose an object. It's a bit of an odd question, but perhaps you had a bit of fun with it that um, you might speak to as far as it represents your experience, um, something meaningful to you that maybe you've had by you in the years um, that you've been an administrator or president and, or however you've chosen it, maybe you can tell us about it. Sure. So what I, what I chose was uh, a poem by uh, the Irish poet Michal O'Shiel. And I'm saying it's an object because it's in this book as well as his collected works. Uh, he and I have become uh, good friends. You can just see over my shoulder uh, a painting of him. Uh, that uh, was done by another uh, another person in, in Ireland. Uh, and um, uh, what I would like to do is, uh, is read uh, one poem of his. And this is a poem entitled Largesse. Uh, I used it with many, many groups of uh, 
new employees to the university, whether faculty or staff. I would get to meet with people who came uh, for their orientation sessions. And I would read this poem and just make uh, a remark about it at the end. So is that okay? Sure. Okay. This is Largesse by Mihalo Shield. The generous sink into traces they leave in us, in tears of personality, gestures, words we use, flashbacks to small confirmations, that hand laying on a shoulder. The generous are still aglow within. Confident they knew nothing diminished their glory as they nourish seeds to flower for a while in me. The jealous I begin to forget, frightened spirits nipping the bud of younger and younger threats. The turning point, and I face both ways like Janus. Recall how terribly you needed praise, then choose. I would tell uh, new employees, whether faculty or staff, that uh, I think there's a great deal of truth in this. Uh, it, the, the poet spends six lines talking about people who had been generous in his past, had built themselves into his life, had given him things of value. And then he contrasts that with two lines about jealous people. There's not much to say about them. They contributed nothing. And then this summary at the end, you get to make a choice whether you want to be jealous or generous. And I encourage people to be generous with each other and to help build an environment where this is how we treat each other. So I've been using that poem for a long time. Uh, I've introduced many, many groups of uh, faculty and staff to the University of Manitoba, and before that, uh, the University of Regina, and uh, have tried to encourage them to take that message seriously and let's be let's be generous and see what we can create. Have Have people commented to you about the poem? Do they remember it or? Does it sort of continue and have a life of its own in some conversations you've had? Yes, I think it does. And also, uh, I'm I'm quite uh, I'm quite used to working bits of poetry into other addresses as well. So people are aware that I'm going to be that they're going to hear poetry, and they. That helps, I think, tie their, their recollection back to the first time they heard me read poems, which was this poem. Well, you're a computer scientist by training, are you not? Yeah, yeah. So, again, another, I guess, rare expression from a computer <laughs> scientist, not to, you know, dismiss computer scientists as being unpoetic, but... Um, I think that's oh. terrific. I, well, you know, I'm an English professor by training, so um, it all makes perfect sense to me. I, I'm really interested in the contrast the poem sets up between generosity and jealousy. They're not necessarily direct opposites, but they're in some kind of opposition to each other for sure. And jealousy sometimes hard to recognize that that's what people are, don't you think? Sometimes uh, I think so, yeah. I mean, I think, yes, I agree. Sometimes 
it is hard to uh, it is hard to to sort them out. But I like the the contrast between the uh, the generosity uh, and the, the which is I think of as sort of let's give away what we have, let's share what we have that's good, and then the 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 other couplet, uh, the second last couplet in the poem talks about keeping things to myself, right? So my message to new faculty and staff was always, we can build something big and, and, uh, and good if we orient ourselves that way, or we can collapse in on ourselves and, and build something where we don't get any synergy. And that's not gonna be very much uh, fun and it's not gonna be very good for, uh, for the institution or for the people who work in it. Indeed. Yeah. Well, there's so much to say about the changing nature of post-secondary education. I, I think since you and I were probably undergraduates roughly around the same time, um, although not necessarily aware of the theater we were entering into at the time. But uh, I, I'm curious about your own undergraduate experience. Um, was it a, a fruitful experience, a good experience? Um, yeah, it was very good. Uh, I was the first person in my family to go to university. So I had no idea really what to expect. I, I thought it was just like high school for bigger kids. Um, and it turned out that it was quite different. And I, I fell in love with it. And as my children say, and you never left. Uh, I stayed and did uh, a number of different uh, a number of different things at the university. I, I first studied computer science, so bachelor's, master's, PhD in computer science, and then uh, became a faculty member. And uh, after that, took uh, other some other degrees, law, and uh, uh, and a couple of other things. So, but I mean, my my principal academic uh, work was uh, as a computer scientist but it was not very long uh, that way because I, I shifted into administrative roles fairly quickly. How did you, what was the journey to law from computer science? What was that uh, all about? Yeah, it was just a personal interest. I was, I've always been interested in the law. Um, I think for one reason, uh, uh, for some reason when I was young, very young, uh, I thought this might be something I would be interested in doing, but uh, as as time moved on and I you know went to high school and was getting ready to go to university, uh, computing was relatively new. Uh, it was exciting. Uh, I had uh, I had a, a high school teacher who introduced me to it, and uh, I fell in love with the idea, so pursued that and and came back and picked up a couple of other ideas later in my career. Yeah, those high school teachers are really important, aren't they? Mm -hmm. I think yeah, so. For sure. And then was graduate school similarly stimulating and positive? Oh, yes. Very stimulating, very positive. Uh, it was an exciting time. I mean, computer science was relatively new. I was in the first class at the University of Toronto as an undergraduate to actually get a computer science degree because prior to that, people would get degrees in mathematics or, uh, or something else and uh, take the computing courses on the side. So it was, uh, it was 
it was a relatively new field uh, at the time, academically, and uh, it was fun. It was stimulating. The the other the other things that I've done, uh, you know, theology and music and so on, um, were were more for personal interest. How would you say, as an educator, as a instructor or mentor to students, you carried over some of that? experience into into your practice consciously or learning on the job or you know in our worlds there isn't a lot of preparation other than the actual study experience of being a student for then becoming you know the person who's standing on the other side of the classroom um tell, tell me a bit about that that journey for you Yes, that's a that's a very that's a very interesting kind of contrast, isn't it? Uh, I was fortunate to have some really outstanding teachers uh, as an undergraduate, and uh, and again during my uh, graduate work, masters and PhD, I had uh, I had faculty members who who were not just, um, they were not just limited to working on their own agendas as researchers, or they were not just limited to, uh, you know, schooling us as, as, uh, as we, my, my cohort and I, as we grew up uh, as computer scientists. And so I, I think I was, I was at a very fortunate time in the, in the history of the discipline it was it was recognized kind of in my last year of uh, the program at the University of Toronto that this is serious enough to have its own label and uh, you know course program and so on uh, and uh, I think it was just uh, it was just a natural flow I think uh, for me I don't know am I answering the question Yeah. Um... Yeah, you sounds like you were at the right place at the right time. And so by the time you, I guess, had gone through graduate school, um, there were positions for like those programs were opening up, I guess, across the country or across the continent in the areas you would study. So you were right at that that uh, launching site, weren't you, for carrying over what you had learned into a whole new, the next generation, I guess, of yeah, scholars absolutely. in the field. Yeah, yeah that, that's exactly right. And the, the, um, a lot of the folks that were, were my professors were relatively young and had been captured by the, you know, the, the, uh, the idea of computer science, uh, none of us knowing exactly where it was going. Uh, and then, at, along with some uh, some folks who were longer in the tooth, uh, they'd been in the in the system longer, uh, but had migrated towards computing as, say, a support for their work in physics or support for their work in some other place, and had become part of a computer science department. Uh, so it was it was actually a very very stimulating time to be part of the part of the discipline. So. How did studying law tap into that experience, or did you have much 
you know, was, was it organic or completely, was it walking, like walking through a looking glass or, uh, you know, different part of the brain, all of that? Uh, I'd, I'd always been interested in the law and I just did it for fun. Uh, it was, it was just for my personal experience. Uh, similarly with uh, Christian studies, I did a diploma in Christian studies. Uh, that was again, just personal interest. So yeah, I, I didn't expect those things to connect to my, to my professional work, but um, I was quite interested in them. And, and as a, as a faculty member, it just seemed appropriate to um, not just not just to take a course, but to, to actually get a label for it. So I did take enough courses to get labels. So I should think that as an administrator, um, having all of those areas, um, you know, was in your quiver um, would have served you very well, given you lots of insight or opportunity to, to understand the system of post-secondary education or university culture, maybe in a way that was broader than, than others who had just taken a single path. Would you say that was, that was true or were you conscious of that? I was conscious of it and I, I want to believe that it was true for me. Of course. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I certainly did work hard to try and integrate the, the different uh, perspectives that those various disciplines brought. Uh, and I, I certainly found it a mind-stretching experience, and I think I was more easily able to relate to uh, other members of the community when I, when I um, started into the part of my life that, well, once I, once I moved into university administration, I didn't get out of it again. I, I finished uh, as a university president. Um, but it did, uh, I think it did give me some credibility and some ease of understanding some of the issues that were uh, not really present in the, in the discipline that I studied uh, intensely, but I learned a little bit more about it as I went along. So what do you think, um, let me think how I can phrase this. I'm sort of projecting my own experience as an administrator here into the question. Um, what were some of the toughest things that you had to deal with as a president? Let's put it that way. What biggest challenges, however you want to, you know, describe it, but. Yeah, okay. So um, can I ask you to tell me a little bit about your experience? You, you said you were trying to think about relative to your experience too. Yeah, um, well, I was provost and vice president academic uh, at Memorial for almost seven years. And before that, I was dean of graduate studies. Um, and, you know, to sum it up, um, I'd say the higher up the admin ladder you go, um, you know, the more difficult the job is, <laughs> obviously, um, kind of trite to observe, but perhaps some think it's easier but it, it's not, it gets more complex and the files get bigger and the challenges. And, and I think living in our, in our moment, this historical moment over the last, as it's been evolving with the withdrawal of public funds from universities in this country and elsewhere, 
as you know, biggest challenges are our funding challenges. Um, so that's, you know, a big fat category, but it's how one deals with those challenges that, um, you know, informs, I, I'd say, the tough decisions and, and the way one relates to one's colleagues and faculty, staff, and students. So I guess I, I'm kind of answering the question myself, but I'm, I'm, I don't get a lot of opportunity these days now that I'm freshly in retirement to talk to other senior administrators about the kind of things that I felt, you know, really challenged me. Um, and it's it's an advantage of this podcast that, you know, we can talk to each other a bit about all of that. Right. The, the kind of dabbling in different in different disciplines was, I mean, I, I wasn't dabbling, but I mean, I just, uh, I, I was very interested in them. But what became clear as a result of that, clearer than it it was for me before that, at least, that there really are these different ways that the academy works in different disciplinary areas. And we, I mean, there were some things about just how people interact and so on, and uh, uh, some of the, the basic ideas about what makes a good education and so on that are relatively similar across the board, but but there are there are other places where other aspects of uh, uh, of the disciplines once you get into them where they're quite different and and not only different in terms of content but different in terms of uh, how people make decisions uh, what they weigh and what they put aside and uh, how they decide to focus on something and not on something else and that was um, that was I think for me. Uh, not not really a surprise, but it was it was a a great advantage to to actually have been able to find time to study different things, different areas, and uh, and see how people fought with different kinds of paradigms. And so when I was when I was in uh, when I was in the role of president, I'm sure that. Uh, that people thought that I was, uh, you know, that lots of lots of my colleagues would have thought that I, I hadn't learned the lessons as well as I could have, but uh, uh, but I did realize that not everybody thinks the same way, and certainly not everybody thinks the same way as as uh, as computer scientists and and mathematicians think. So it was it was um, it was a broadening ex experience that I think was very helpful for me to be able to recognize that, yeah, I've heard this kind of thing before and I know a little bit how it works. Uh, I need to listen carefully and, and, and hear what people are really saying and not assume they're, they're working in the paradigm that I worked in. I also have been, um, uh, I've been quite fortunate uh, since I moved to the West or Central Canada um, to, to be involved with uh, with indigenous people, uh, and so have had uh, I have uh, an indigenous name, Kenny Oshimakwa, uh, which is uh, standing white bear. And it was given to me by uh, by Elder Dave Kershane, 
a well-known person who has uh, subsequently passed on here on the prairies. But uh, I, I found building uh, networks of diverse people, diverse interests, uh, was was really um, it was a very rewarding thing for me individually, and it helped in my work. So it, it's it's really a lot of fun when the things that you like are things that you can justify as being your work. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh man, you, you, I'm sure you've had the same experience. Well, I you know I I can say it easily that you know I'm. Uh, I grew up watching film, loving film, um, being a kind of, you know, film movie junkie, and I ended up in film studies. So, you know, many a day I was standing in front of a classroom talking about, you know, some wonderful film noir or something, and there, my inner voice was saying, do you realize how lucky you are? You are standing up to a rapt audience talking about something you absolutely love. Pretty hard to shake that uh, that enthusiasm if it's so close to you know your passion. Yeah, it it comes with responsibility though, doesn't it? I I, I have a very vivid memory of um, the the first class uh, in the first class that I taught when I moved to uh, to Queen's University as a as a brand new faculty member. Uh, I was teaching something, this is back in the chalk and blackboard days, and I had written a couple of things on the, on the board that I, had, that I was talking about. And then something occurred to me in the middle of the lecture, and I turned around and wrote down a couple of words on the, on the blackboard. I turned back to the class and everybody was writing them down. And I thought, oh my, God, I've got to, I have to think pretty carefully here about what I say, because people are listening to me as if I know what I'm talking about. I better yeah. make sure that I do know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. It's a humbling experience. It is. Absolutely. It is. But it's exciting, isn't it? I mean, totally. we, yeah. Yeah, we often talk about, uh, about um, uh, having, you know, threefold uh, kinds of missions, uh, teaching, research, and, and service. And I found that each of those can be very rewarding in their own. And I'm sure from what, you, from what you told me about yourself, you had the same kind of experience. Yeah, I mean, you know, the challenge, of course, of being so busy as an administrator is being more removed from that that activity. The teaching, of course, is, is uh, rare. And so the um, stimulus and the joy that comes out of that um fades a little bit when you're so caught up in other things i think that's you know it's it's a bit of a contradiction uh to be occupying you know a leadership role and yet not having the opportunity to do what it is that brought you into the university system in the first place i don't think it's easy to resolve but um it's just a fact of of how these these positions uh, take shape and how demanding they are for sure. Mm -hmm. Your experience with Indigenous communities is, is interesting and, and interesting is kind of an empty word, but I guess what I'm saying is that especially the time uh, we're catching up to it now in our universities in Canada, kind of better late than never, but 
um, you seem to have made those connections well before other universities or other university presidents did. And how did that come about? Was that part of um, strategic priorities at the institution or personal priorities? Or how did you start forging those relationships with community? Hmm, that's a, that's a really, that's a good question. I think that um, I, I knew intellectually that this was important. And um, I set out deliberately to learn more uh, about it, to learn about it. And I was really fortunate to have some, some uh, very strong colleagues in Indigenous studies uh, at the universities that I've worked at and to have, um, uh, to have some of those relationships become uh, friendships and also to meet leaders in the communities, uh, indigenous communities and have, uh, and have those relationships become friendships as well. Um, so once, once that, once that degree of, of kind of comfort with each other was reached, it was not easy, but it was, um, I, I was able to listen to what people were saying to me in a way that, um, that I didn't previously, maybe couldn't have previously because um, I remember a particular meeting with uh, with Ovid Mercury, who was uh, very uh, you know very visible in, in in the leadership of Canadian Indigenous people, and uh, sitting and having a conversation. And I was I didn't know him very well at the time, and uh, I was asking some questions, and he was giving me answers, and I was. I realized after a while, uh, he didn't really answer the questions I asked. He told me what I needed to know. And I didn't realize what I needed to know, so I hadn't asked the right questions. He didn't berate me or anything. He just sort of answered what I should have asked. And when he left the room, I thought, that was really pretty impressive. I wish I could teach like that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, I think it, through that connection, uh, he and I were our, our friends. Um, other connections developed and it just became, uh, it just became part of the dynamic of the, of the role. And I, and I, I really, I must say I enjoyed it. I, I learned from it. Uh, I have some friends that I wouldn't have had otherwise. It's, it's been great. And were you able to take that experience into, into the university in some way? I mean, aside from just your personal qualities or leadership 
skills right. or attributes. You know, yeah. In, in both of the universities uh, where I was president in Regina and, and here in, at uh, the University of Manitoba, uh, there were other people who already knew things that I didn't know. So when, when I started to learn, I realized, oh, there are people here already who know this and they know how this stuff should work. And they, I need to listen to them, right? I need to learn from them. I need to listen to them. Um, I need to take the initiative to ask them uh, about, you know, what I need to know, how I need to behave, what are important issues. Um, and, and they were in both, both of the, both of the institutional contexts, people were very, very responsive, right? It was, uh, you know, there were things, there are things that are, are strongly held and um, there's, there's lots to be, uh, to be forgiven about, um, but there's, there's, um, there's a willingness among many folks to try and find each other's common space and work there. And I was just fortunate to have, uh, to have good friends uh, in, in the indigenous communities in both in both places and uh, and <laughs> and people who are quite willing to tell me what I should do. <laughs> well, and you, they were right. They were yeah, right. no, for sure. You were open to it, which is the most important thing. And they knew that. I mean, you've used the word, the verb "listen" a number of times, um, which is, I think, significant. Um, it's such an important part of of leadership, isn't it? And learning, listening. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a, there's a real um, a tendency or an opportunity really to think that because of the role and the deference that's played to the role, uh, you know, you, you actually deserve it somehow. And I, I've been fortunate to have colleagues who have set me straight on that. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, you know, inherently having the role, you have some responsibilities and we respect that. Uh, but what you've got to do is, is learn more for yourself and get engaged in this uh, for yourself. And, uh, and I, and, and they were, there, there were very many generous people who were willing to uh, willing to help me, and I was willing to have the help. So. Do you miss all that? Do you miss? I mean, you were president for a long time, and and in two places. Um, do you miss, or what about it? Do you miss? Uh, I I miss the um, I miss the people. Yeah. Uh, and uh, by that I mean not just not just specific friendships that uh, that I developed, although I you know I just I just came to this interview from having lunch with uh, uh, with a colleague, uh, and I I don't think he would he would mind me saying that uh, it took us a while to become friends. We uh, 
we had some uh, interesting conversations in in Senate, and we became friends as a result. Uh, and uh, you know, we're both we're both now further along the path, and we meet once in a while to uh, to talk about what we're doing and what we're reading, these kinds of things. Uh, so I was I was fortunate that that I that there were people around willing to teach me and I knew I, I knew enough from them. They would it was not it was not a soft necessarily, you know, soft and gentle kind of thing. It was like, David, pay attention, right? This is this matters. That doesn't matter so much. Pay attention to this. Uh, but it was it was just uh, it was such a surprisingly I sh it shouldn't have been surprising, but it was surprising to me how warm and generous those conversations were. They could feel at times a little bit forceful, and and I I recognized. Look, they they know they've got to get through to where I really am, and that's what they're trying to do. And we're we're good friends. We'll be friends when this conversation's over, uh, and I'd better listen to this. That's nice. That's great. It's very satisfying to have come through all of that and find a place where you can, you know, be yourselves. Yeah, I, I, That's I don't. Uh, I, I want to be careful not to sound like I'm. That it was without, without bad behavior on my part, right? I mean, there were times when I missed the boat, uh, and somebody had to tell me, you know, you look. That's that's not what was going on there. You thought that's what was going on, but actually, this was going on. So get with the program, and uh, and I was. I think I was fortunate to have relationships where people would be willing to say that to me. Wonderful. You know, one of the questions that we ask in these podcasts is what advice would you give students these days? It's a pretty open question, but, um, and I, and I admit I had a hard time answering it myself. <laughs> well, well, how did you answer it? Oh no, done that. <laughs> It's your turn. <laughs> if you could change something about the experience for students now, you know, in terms of the system or the machine, what what it would be if you had the power to do that and the space and opportunity to do that for students today, undergraduates in particular? I, I don't know exactly how, but what I would want to focus on would be um being passionate about what you're, what you're, find something to be passionate about. The subject matter, uh, the people that you work with, the, the, the kind of work that you aim to do after you graduate, whatever. Find something that you can be passionate about. Um, it may be what you and your parents talked about before you went to university. It may be something entirely different. It may be something you didn't even know existed until you got to the university and saw that Hey, there's a, the world is a little bigger than, than, uh, than I knew. On the other hand, you may know a lot of things and you, you know, you've made a selection, but get something you can be passionate about because it's a life is long. And, and what you, if you can find something that, that you really are passionate about, it's not that there won't be obstacles, there won't be difficulties, but there will be amazing rewards. 
So that's what I would, that's what I did say when I talked to students, and, you know, find the thing that matters to you and, and try to make that part of your life. Maybe make it the center of your, of your you know, professional life, <clears throat> your working life. Get hold of something that really matters because then the energy will come. If you are doing something that just is remote and rote, it's going to be a long life. Do you think things are different now, though, for for students? I, I mean, I'm I'm not saying this because I think yes or no, or just sort of tossing this out there in view of the you know pressures on universities to serve whatever the perception is a labor market happens to be uh, at the moment, pressures to um, serve what we used to call the new economy. Um, you know, th those are ways of thinking about the undergraduate experience or the education experience that I certainly um, was not all that aware of, didn't really have a language for, wasn't used in my presence in quite the same way I think it is now with mm -hmm. younger people. I, I wonder if, if um, I wonder if, if part of what's happened there is that for, for people of, uh, uh, of, of our generation, university wasn't, wasn't for as much of the population as it is now. Mm. You know, people, there were a relatively smaller number, mm -hmm. percentage, smaller percentage of people going to university. Uh, it's grown very quickly mm -hmm. during our working career, mm -hmm. right? And, and proliferation of institutes, which is great, I don't mean that. In, I don't mean proliferation in a bad way at all. I think it's. I think it's wonderful, uh, but it now becomes. Um, it now becomes more expected, and less. Oh, I'm not sure what the right word is. I'm not sure how to say this. When I when when I was a student, and maybe when you were, um, people were motivated very often, maybe mostly, by the excitement and, and the love of the discipline. And when, when, as a society, we gradually switched to saying, this is kind of a necessary investment of time in your life to get ready for what you're going to do next, it just feels a little different to me. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that Sort of takes the edge off mm. the excitement for for some students. I, I sometimes feel there are some students in the system who are enduring it, but mm. are not endeared by it. Right? Uh, and uh, uh, I don't know. What do you think? I, I would agree. I mean, I like the way you put it. Um, that that kind of shift is is um, kind of subtle in a way, as you've described it. Um, but as you were speaking, I thought, you know, I do remember as an undergrad at McGill, which was pretty large, like to go from my high school to McGill at the time was a pretty big leap to be surrounded by thousands and thousands of people in downtown Montreal. Great I do place. remember um, a lot of complaining around me. Like the big question is, was, 
you know, am I here because my parents want me to be here or am I here because I want to be here? And that's probably a long-standing kind of binary question that certainly younger students ask themselves at a time in their life when, you know, the future is very uncertain and one's not sure what one is doing. Right. Um, so, I, you know, maybe that's that's always been there. Um, I, I tend to think just in terms of my own experience, looking back now at the changes that I see, uh, the pressure on university students now, I think, to think much more about the future. And that's another way of saying what you said, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, yeah. and, you know, it's kind of scary out there in a way that maybe it wasn't quite so scary for us as students. Um, I think we felt, I felt that I had more security in some general way than students might feel these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So what advice would you give the younger David? Well, to be, to be brutally honest, I would say about myself, if I could have, if I could say to myself, you know, in retrospect, uh, I would say um, the dabbling is nice. You know, you've you've got a master's P, bachelor's, master's PhD in in one discipline. You've gone on and doing some done some other things. That's that's good. It broadens you. Um, uh, try try to stay focused <laughs> <laughs> on something. <laughs> So you've just essentially contradicted everything you were saying earlier about following well, your passions. I, I think that um, uh, I, I mean it in a relative sense, right? It's it's easy to um, it's easy to move from one thing to another. What I found about uh, the the things that I studied later, uh, the you know religion, law, uh, et cetera. Uh, those things, I think, broadened me. And in some ways, it would have been, it would have been a, an interesting path to have been able to study those earlier, along with some of the other stuff. I see, right. Uh, you know, the computer science. Uh, but I, you know, I needed to, I need to make my way in the world to get a job, et cetera, et cetera. And so I, I um, I studied something I really liked was on the you know it was it was it was new it was exciting and um, had some great teachers and and uh, and got uh, got a lot of fun out of it um, and so I don't I don't resent the path that I took at all and I I wouldn't be able to do it much better any other way but I I do. Um, I do sometimes think that if I, if I had been a little bit more focused, I might have been able to do more. Interesting, yeah. Well, I, I didn't expect you to say that. What did you expect all. me to say? Um, something like, um, I wouldn't change a thing or follow your passion or oh, oh, learn as much as you can. Well, all that's true too, I guess, but. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm yeah. all for that. Learn as much as you can, uh, formally and informally read, um, read widely, 
uh, ask everybody you know what they're reading and if they and why they're reading it and read most of it if you can. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, to me it it, it was just it, it was like it was too good to be true. Yeah. It. I, I don't think that um, I don't think a lot of a lot of our students now feel that same that same excitement that I felt because the system was smaller. Mm-hmm. The number of people who were in university was smaller. Uh, it was clearly in my in my case, it was a privilege to be there. Mm-hmm. And and it, it was so exciting. It was just, oh, my goodness, listen, you know, look at these people that I, I've gotten to know as faculty members and as students and so on. But I think it's more now an expected um, mm-hmm. part of, of life for younger people. And and that's good. It, it I think, uh, you know, gives people more opportunity. But it also uh, it also becomes a little bit more defined and, mm-hmm. and uh, declared and stratified and so on. Whereas, yeah, you re- you know, I remember there was a moment. I don't know when it was, but I remember it happening when we all said, at the very least, everyone has to have a bachelor's degree, um, and that was a kind of new thing. Yeah, um, you know, that wasn't the expectation before that. So I, I think I think you're right. It mm. was the, um, you know, the opening up. Um, yeah. yeah, that made that that led to other kinds of expectations. The bar changed all of that. Mm. Mm-hmm. And what advice would you give if somebody were interested in in going into administration? I'm sure people have asked you that over the years. You know, should I? do this perhaps it's so specific to the individual but are there general things besides uh, being generous and not jealous <laughs> well that first uh, I, I think you have to uh, I would say to people you you need to have at least as much passion about being an administrator in whatever realm that's going to be as you had about being a student and learning if you don't, if it doesn't feel better to be able to help other people, I, I'll back up. I, I think the, the largest aspect of the administrative role is to create the circumstances where other people can be successful. And if, if that is not a satisfying thing for you, if what you want to do is, is uh, immerse yourself in whatever, in literature, in in religion, in in science, immerse yourself in parts of it that really excite you, then that's what you should do. But if you can be, if if you can get a lot of satisfaction, I think as those some of us who who are have had administrative careers have been able to do, you can get satisfaction from watching other people succeed, and think, okay, I helped shape the route for that person. I don't know what that person did. I don't understand that work. But I helped open the door, pave the road, whatever. Uh, I think that's I think that's a really really exciting prospect, and and it's so it's so for me it's been very satisfying to say okay uh, you know I I've I've helped shape the curriculum, the environment, the processes that 
that helped people succeed in things that were really important and really important to them. Yeah. Couldn't be much better. No, I agree. That's wonderful. And I'm sure very useful to people because, you know, people get nudged, faculty members get nudged or pushed sometimes uh, into roles that they don't necessarily seek initially. So it's a very good way of forcing people to be thinking about, about, about their future responsibilities in those terms. I, I, I wish somebody had said that to me early <laughs> on. <laughs> but, but uh, well, well, so what, what made you decide to yourself um, in the administration? Well, you know, it, I think I, it's an overstatement and it's, it's really not fair to say, you know, the world kind of divides in our, in our universities between those who are good organizers slash leaders and those who are not. And people generally know where they generally know if they fall on, into one of those camps or the other. And I think I, I always uh, gravitated towards good organization, leading people, building teams from when I was younger, got a long, you know, long journey of experience in various forms of, of um, even through sports, or maybe sometimes, especially through team sports, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, it's kind of cliche to say, but very, very important part, I think, of uh, learning uh, collaboration uh, in, in the um, service of a shared goal. Um, so I, I kind of came by it pretty naturally based on my childhood and experiences through high school and whatnot. And, um, and I, I thought I, I was good at it and people recognized that um, I could build teams and lead and chair a meeting and be organized and, you know, a certain reliability attends to, uh, to those roles. You, you've got to be reliable um, in delivering uh, administrative tasks of one form or another, or at least being transparent about what you're doing if you can't. Um, so yeah, I was I was always attracted to the kind of activity, but when I went into uh, the academic, you know, as a professional, uh, getting tenure and then you know being promoted and doing my research, that's not the way I saw my life. It's just opportunities come up as you mm -hmm. know, as I'm sure happened to you. And people say, that's a door you should walk through, give it a try. And that that's kind of the way it works for most of us, I think. Yeah, I, I think I think so. It certainly did for me, right? Yeah. I mean, that, there, there were things that exactly as you say, someone would say, you should do this. And I said, really? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, really? you should do this. Yeah. And when, when they're... When they're astute and when they're friends, they send you in the right direction. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. it's knowing both those things, their astuteness <laughs> and the depth of their friendship. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're in a really good place after all that experience. What are you reading these days? Oh, my gosh. Um, 
I read uh, I read a lot of uh, uh, I read a lot of poetry. Uh, I I like to read uh, uh, mysteries. Um, I like to I like to read lots of nonfiction too. I, I got a a great little uh, Christmas present from uh, uh, from uh, my son-in-law who gave me this uh, uh, edition of of tiny uh, books by uh, oh, here. Just let me grab it off the shelf. Sure. Have oh you, my! Have you, seen this? have you seen this in bookstores? No. What is it? It's the Penguin Little Black Classics. Oh, so I it's think basically heard of that. 50, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fifty pages by each of several authors. Well, each of uh, eighty authors. So it's just it's it's fantastic. It's uh, some of it's by you know, people that I've read before, a lot of it's people that I didn't read. And uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. And really easy to hold. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The box, if the box had a little bit more uh, stiffness to it, it would be easier. <laughs> I almost dumped them all on the floor one day. Well, David, it's been great talking with you. Um, any Any final thoughts in view of what you said or what we've been talking about? I, I would just say, uh, I, I guess I just repeat a couple of things I said. I was the first person in my family to go to university and I didn't, I had no idea what to expect and it was fantastic. Uh, and not only as a student, and this, as I probably said earlier in the, in the, um, uh, in the interview, my, my kids would say, yeah, well, you just you liked it so well you went there and you never left and that's right i didn't i didn't ever leave it it was fantastic uh, people that you meet the opportunities that you have to make a contribution uh just it's wonderful i agree we're very lucky people mm -hmm. to yeah. be able to say that for sure yeah. yeah well thank you so much for your time uh, it's a real privilege. As I said, I've admired you for many years. So huh. every, from afar, I'm sure you've got a lot of people who paid close attention to your leadership. So thank you. You're being very generous. No, not at all. Totally honest. I'm going to sign okay. off and uh, hope to run into you sometime. All right. Look forward to it. Visit studiosity.com forward slash students first for information on the next Students' First Symposium, an open forum for faculty, staff, and academics to candidly discuss and progress the issues that matter most in higher education.